Hi everyone and welcome. This is Catherine from Dakota and Seafood and today we have Michelle Park with us. Michelle is an Emmy award-winning lifestyle and fashion expert that's been featured around the country on local and national shows. She's currently a correspondent in NBC LX and News and New York Live in NBC New York. In addition to this, Michelle has served as a judge on the Food Network series Chopped and was the food expert on Harry Connick Jr.'s daytime show for two seasons. She's been a guest on the Drew Barrymore Show, the Steve Harvey Show, and GMA, to name a few. She's the content creator for various social channels, focusing on making whimsical, nutritious bento lunchboxes for her daughters. Michelle has amassed nearly 1 million followers on TikTok, and chances are if you're a fan of cute bento boxes and inspirational affirmations on life, you may already know and follow Michelle. Welcome, Michelle, to Decoding Seafood. Catherine, I... Just want to say I only have 600,000 followers on TikTok, but I guess if you add everything else up together, it appears there, but I just don't want to mislead your listeners because I'm not quite at a million yet. We'll get you there. We'll get you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So Michelle, to start, I I gave people like a little bit of your background, but can you, in your own words, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I've been a journalist for about 20 years. It's my life passion and life work, whatever you want to say. Um, I've worked largely in the lifestyle space, but as you can imagine, as an Asian American woman, there were not a lot of Asian American women doing what I've done for the past, I would say, 15 years. And so while most people would not think of covering lifestyle as a move towards activism, for me, it really has been. I've been able to put a lot of Asian Americans on TV who are creators doing great things. Um, Outside of that, I also love covering people who are of all different backgrounds, right? Like uh, the people who have traditionally not had a voice in media. It's been my purpose in my career to give those people a voice. One of the things I thought was really cool when I was like digging into your background was that I know you're a daughter of Korean immigrants that came in and you actually started off by saying you wanted to study law and then you went to journalism and now you're on TikTok with amazing bento boxes, by the way. So how did that all happen? Um, Yeah, so I am actually a Korean immigrant myself. We moved here when I was two and, uh, you know, I, I have really clear memories of not speaking the language very well, of feeling very Korean, but being viewed as some sort of weird alien person who's part Korean, part American. Um, I have a lot of memories of not not having my culture known or respected, right? And so, you know, as I went through my schooling, I thought, what what profession is going to help me help other people who feel that way? And journalism wasn't even on the table because as a daughter of immigrants and as an immigrant myself, it was really law or medicine. And I thought law would give me, you know, I had goals of working in the nonprofit sector. I thought law would give me the right tools to help people. Um, and after, and I really was on that track. Like I, I was in my senior year of Stanford and I was going to go work as a paralegal for a couple of years before I went back for a law degree. And I ran into Juju Chang on campus. If you don't know Juju Chang, she's another Korean American who also graduated from Stanford and is a journalist. And now she's the anchor at Nightline, I believe. Is that right? I'd love to check that. But anyway, Juju is like a very high up person at ABC News. At the time she was on 2020. Um, and I really just ran into her, uh, maybe kind of stalked her a little bit because I was afraid to talk to her. Eventually, I did get the guts to talk to her. And I just told her that I loved what she was doing. I loved 2020. I just, I loved her 
and everything that she represented. And she offered me a job like in that moment. And I really thought to myself, there is no way this person's going to give me a job, right? Like I was like, what? I, I like ran into her at Jamba Juice, right? So she's not going to give me a job after meeting me at Jamba Juice, but she did give me my first opportunity. So it was Juju that kind of changed my trajectory from going into law to going into journalism. And after watching what she did and how she was able to give a voice to the voiceless, I was just totally sold. And now I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think, you know, I think that's something that people can relate to starting off on one path and then kind of jumping one way and then jumping another way, depending on the opportunities that present themselves. I'm curious, I think, I, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it looked like you started your lunchboxes and your TikTok, your TikTok career is what we're going to call it <laughs> during COVID or somewhere around there. How, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in case you can't tell, I'm like a pretty creative person. And I also really like interacting with people, which is why I do what I do. And when the world shut down for a few months, um, we were we were doing all of our work remotely. So I was doing a lot of remote interviews and, you know, work just kind of really slowed down, I think, for everybody. And for me, I felt like there was something missing. I wasn't interacting with anybody anymore. And like, I, as much as I love my family, being in a house with them all day, every day for weeks on end was starting to drive me crazy. And so while everyone else was making sourdough bread, I thought to myself, I'm just going to create. And I actually didn't start out on TikTok creating bento boxes, believe it or not. I started out doing makeup hacks. And so I, you know, as a former news anchor, I had all these makeup hacks that all of my former makeup artists had given me. And I started making them on TikTok. And I think we hit like, I made like 70 of them or something. It was a series. I mean, in between, I would do other makeup related things. And it was so fun for me in the early days of the pandemic because I was able to connect to this amazing community on TikTok. And say what you will about TikTok, I do think that it is the best place to build a community of like-minded people. And so I really started out doing that. And then at some point I hit a wall where I was like, this is not feeding anything in terms of my mission and what I actually want to do. Mm -hmm. So in the pandemic, I had also been making these grazing platters, basically snack platters for my kids. And I got really creative with them and I wasn't filming them. I was just making them because it was fun. And I bought all the accessories and I bought all the silicone cups and I was like turning, you know, pineapple into flower bouquets. And it was my other creative outlet. And so I just started filming them because I was like, I want to incorporate one or two Asian snacks or Asian dishes into every snack I give my kids during the pandemic. I really want to expand their palates and their food horizons. And so I filmed one and I just talked through it. I was like, this is how I make a grazing platter for my kids. And people were really interested in what I was putting in there, I think, because it wasn't the traditional goldfish and, you know, Cheez-Its kind of snack platter. And from that, that kind of grew. I started, and so it gave me a platform and a way to actually talk about what mattered to me. So one of the ones that took off really early was um, my daughter had this train-shaped set of dishes like they were all trains and you know we we try to be as gender neutral as possible in our home we don't really say that's for boys that's for girls and we were over somebody was over our house and they said isn't that for boys and my daughter said trains are for everyone and i loved that i like i love that she at three years old was able to say that and so i put it on tiktok and people reacted but they, the kids that had felt like they had been unheard, reacted in a way that really touched my heart. Like a lot of people sent me messages. A lot of people reposted it. 
And I realized that there was an opportunity here for me to just continue to do what I do for my kids without having to put them on camera because I would never do that. Um, and then tell these stories that I feel like most of the time I'm trying to say something. I mean, a lot of the time it's just funny stories about my kids because they say funny things. But you'll notice that if you watch my videos, I really do try to send a message across. And, you know, recently it's been much more about feminism or being Asian American. But I also think it's really important to be an ally to the people who don't have allies, right? So we have one that is probably my top performing video of 2021 or something. But, you know, my we went to Starbucks and our barista there is a trans woman. And, you know, I've known that, but my my kids didn't know that. And I brought my older daughter and she was like, is that a, a she or a he? Or she said it somewhere like that. And I was like, I thought to myself, do I explain what trans means in the middle of Starbucks? And I was like, I don't think this is the time. So what I instead did was I was like, you know, anytime you meet someone and you want to ask that question, here's what I would do. I would just say, hi, I'm Michelle. My pronouns are she, her, or, you know, hers, she, her, hers. And what are your pronouns, right? And so she went ahead and did that with the barista. The barista responded and was just overwhelmed with like, I don't know if it was happiness or gratitude or just feeling like she was seen. And my kid didn't have any other questions after that, right? Like it was so normal for her. And I felt like this was a moment as a parent where I was like, I got to tell other parents because it doesn't need to become this huge thing where you're like scrambling in your head. How do I explain this thing? It's just about teaching kids to be kind and accepting, right? And so, you know, so my videos are all kind of based around these sort of things. A lot of body positivity, a lot of, you know, just just trying to educate the rest of the people out there, but also allow the kids out there who are struggling in any way to feel seen and heard. So I really think that the message that you're putting out there is one that we can all relate to. And it's also something that, you know, is important to get out there. And I personally have enjoyed just watching all your videos and and, and you marrying the two concepts together, something really cute with little bento boxes, with with pics and, and doing all these really creative things with it and also putting a message out there that I think everybody needs to understand. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about was, you know, you had said in some of your pieces that you had put out before was that when your mom first got here, or at least when you were going to school, she was making Korean food for you, for you to take to school. And at the time, it wasn't something that was, I'd say, accepted by the kids that were out there. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you've been able to maybe lessen that for your children? Because I do think that they're, you know, sushi now is very mainstream, even for kids. So I think that it's probably a, a better place for us to be. But I'm just curious as to what your experience was when you were a child and also how it is for your kids now. Yeah. So, you know, I'm Korean American. And so what my mom used to pack me, especially as a recent immigrant, was the way you would pack lunch in Korea. So there was rice. There was probably some soup. I know she packed me a lot of fried rice. There was washed kimchi, so it wasn't spicy. There are these things that I loved eating at home. And it was, you know, I have clear memories of moments when I would bring in these things and I would get made fun of and I would get shamed. And I remember feeling so much shame about this food that I loved so much and that I knew everyone I loved ate, right? So it wasn't just my food. It was my food, my parents' food, my grandparents' food. And I found myself throwing away my lunches a lot of the time. Um, so when somebody makes fun of your food, it's deeply, deeply personal because it's not just about the food. It's about who you are. 
It's about who your family is. It's about where you come from. And these are all things that you can't change. And they're all things that are that you're supposed to be very proud of, right? And so coming to the, this country and experiencing that stuff, you know, as a four-year-old, I didn't understand what was going on. All I knew was that my food was not okay, which meant that probably I was not okay. Um, it's taken a long time to grow out of that, right? Like I think that obviously living in New York City, it's there's kimchi is very popular now, but even 10 years ago, it wasn't quite what it is now. And so when I think about my kids, you know, we live in an area that is relatively diverse and people are relatively well aware of different kinds of food. And yet my daughter still, like two weeks ago, she brought dumplings into school and a little boy said it made him want to puke and that it smelled really bad. And she she has a gizmo watch so she can text me. And so she texts me, I'm sad. And I texted her back, what happened? And then she called me and she told me this story. And I was like, this is still happening. Also, they're dumplings. Like, they're not even something crazy. Um, and so, you know, as much as I can, I try to, first of all, prepare them for those experiences because I don't think I was prepared and I didn't know what they meant. And it was really funny. I actually wrote this down. You're going to get a sneak peek at my next TikTok. Because yesterday I was taught my so we were all having family dinner. I'm gonna pull up my phone right now because I wrote down exactly what my husband said. So we're all having family dinner and uh, you know, we're talking about because we had made fried rice and Madeline said, my older daughter said, Can you pack this for lunch tomorrow? And now that we all know how the kids react when she brings in Asian food, my husband's sitting there, he's looking at her, and he's like, Hey, what are you gonna do if somebody makes fun of your lunch? And, you know, she's like uh, I, I'm going to tell the teacher, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And he's like, no, you're going to call them ignorant, right? And she's like, so I just say they're ignorant. I'm not going to get in trouble. And my little one quips in, ignorant is just a nice way of saying stupid. <laughs> like, that's amazing. You're you're right. But also, we don't want to call him stupid. <laughs> We're just saying, like, educate yourself on the other flavors that are out there. But I just thought it was so funny. And I think, you know, going into having kids who are in a school with lots of different people, you know, you really have to kind of equip them to be ready for these moments because these moments can either tear you down or build you up, right? And I think that she, you know, she also knows that she has the support of all of us. Like, I I probably suggested some things for her to say that she shouldn't say. And my husband was like, Madeline, don't say that stuff. But, you know... It was a very different experience than I would have had when I was a kid, where my parents would have just been like, we're immigrants, that's what happened. Yeah, it it's amazing. But, I, you know, one of the things I think that's really good is that you're equipping them to go out and be able to respond to those things, which I do think, you know, will help them when they have their kids also to be able to to carry that on. And hopefully by the time they have kids, this won't even be a topic of conversation. But, you know, you never quite know. Yeah. What? One of the things I found a quote from you that I thought was really, really interesting. And it said, and I'm going to quote you now so you get to listen to yourself. One of the things that I'm focused on is introducing new food as often as possible to my kids. Our philosophy is that you have to put it in front of them. Don't assume they're not going to eat it. And I think those are words that every parent of a picky toddler needs to hear. Um, you know, I think I saw, I, I read something someplace that said you needed to get exposed to a food or you have to expose kids to a food, I think eight times before you definitively know whether they like it or not. And, 
it has to be at different, you know, points in their palate growth to kind of see if they like it and that sort of stuff. And so I kind of want to piggyback on that thought. And I want to, and I want to ask you, what it, what do you think is the value of introducing kids to new foods, especially seafood? Because seafood does get a stigma, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, and just what you've been accustomed to that it's, it's weird, it's gross, it's smelly, kind of the same thing that people may have been saying about Korean food, to be honest with you. So I just kind of want to get your, your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it actually, like, whether it's seafood or not seafood or, like, turmeric or, you know, saffron or flavors that they're not used to, my my thought on this is that the most important thing is for them to see you eating it as a parent and for you to just put it in front of them without any judgment, any stress, any pressure. It's worked really well for me with my kids because they don't, if I put something out, they know they don't have to eat it. Like I, anything that goes on their plate, it's up to them. They can eat it. They can not eat it. It's there if they want it. But I, I've had to also train my husband in this. We make it very clear that it doesn't affect us in any emotional way, whether or not they decide to eat it, even if I spent 12 hours making it, right? And what has happened, which has been really magical, is that my kids will now try everything. It took us a long time to get there. It didn't happen immediately, but... Because there's no pressure and there's no value placed on whether or not you eat it, it's not like a value judgment on you as a child. You don't get a good job for eating everything. You also don't get a don't eat too much of that. There's none of that in my house. And it's just made food overall an exploratory experience. So we kind of just put everything out. Like, um, you know, I talk about bulgur a lot. I feel like anytime I do an interview, so I guess I'll bring it up here, but that's not the most recent one. I just can't think of the recent, most recent one. But I, it was like maybe two years ago, I put bulgur on a plate. They had never had it before. And they both, I watched them both look at it and they're like, what is that? And I explained it. It's a grain and they were like, it's kind of like rice. And they were like, do I have to eat it? I was like, you don't have to eat it. If you want to taste it, you can. I'm going to eat it. I'm eating it. I guess I made it look like it tasted really good. Both of them finished it all. And it's those moments where you're like, what I'm doing is working because I know that it's, hard for any child to look at a plate and not recognize something that's a difficult thing to get over even as an adult right you see something you don't know what it is you're going to ask what it is and if you're not used to trying new things it can be a little bit overwhelming right and so as a parent i think that if there's one takeaway from this podcast it would be just put it in front of them and if they don't eat it you don't have to say anything you can eat it you can save it for tomorrow and try it again and then for the the plates that are for the dishes that they don't want to eat or that they don't try, we just keep trying. So I don't make separate kid food in my house. I just make a meal for everybody. We all eat the same thing. And that way there is no extra like me being a short order cook or my husband being a short order cook. And then we just keep, so, you know, for me, I want to eat, I want to eat sushi once a week. We order sushi and once a week and the kids, now the kids eat it, but we just always kept putting it putting it in front of them and at some point they figured out okay I could just eat rice and soy sauce I could take the sushi off and then at some point they put the sushi on and they try to bite and then you know we eat it wrapped in a lettuce leaf or something and so now they eat the amount of vegetables my kids eat is absurd but they really do eat everything wrapped in a lettuce leaf or genip which is like a Korean perilla leaf and and a perilla leaf has a very strong flavor so I'm always really impressed when they want more of it but that's the way our the way every the, the way all of our eating habits have changed in this house since I started this 
kind of philosophy. I love the fact that you've taken the stigma and the pressure from making kids eat because I think there's a stigma out there oh your kids don't eat vegetables or they don't eat fruit or they won't eat this you know so I think it's nice to just kind of say here here it is try it if you don't like it you're I'm not going to be like you need to finish everything on your plate and you need to swallow it and you know there's none of that sort of pressure and I think inevitably it leads them to to want to explore because if you feel that pressure and stigma then you you just don't want to do it at least I I wouldn't as a kid personally so that makes sense to me. So we're going to talk about seafood a little bit. And specifically, so you mentioned sushi. What, what types of fish do they eat? I'm curious. So they mainly eat salmon and hamachi. Um, I try to steer clear of tuna because of the mercury content. And I, we ordered sushi yesterday. And it's just kind of whatever's on the plate we'll let them try, except we try not to give them tuna. Mm-hmm. So they'll eat everything. They'll eat, like, you know, the raw sushi straight up it's not california rolls it's not philadelphia rolls or whatever else is out there it's just it's straight up rice with a piece of fish on top and do you do you personally make any of your recipes with seafood or you are you mostly doing sushi so yeah i don't i don't cook fish that often in my house to be completely honest we are big on sushi we're big i mean i guess we char octopus if that counts um we make fish tacos sometimes, but not really. I wouldn't say that's a, so. I, I try to eat vegetarian like at least five days a week. So our mm-hmm. meals are predominantly veggie and grain based. Mm-hmm. But when we do eat meat, it's usually sushi. <laughs> well, I like that sushi. Sushi is awesome, and to have kids eating that, I think is is really is really a great thing, especially because of you know, there's a lot of information out there on like the nutritional profile of sushi or or seafood, I should say, which I think is very beneficial to the kids. So I want to ask you what you've done. You've done journalism or you're at currently in journalism. I should say you're doing your, you're doing TikTok. Where are you going next? What's your next project out there? I mean, I would love to create a TV show, um, like a short TV show for one of the streaming platforms where I essentially start out with an ingredient. So turmeric comes to mind because we mentioned it earlier. So I could basically be like, this is turmeric and it comes from the ground and it stains your fingers. And then we get a like four or five kids to walk out and they taste turmeric snacks from different parts of the world. And then I give one very simple and easy recipe like for turmeric chicken. The kids can all make it with me. We show, it's essentially a recipe show, right? So we show how to incorporate turmeric into a dish that the kids will eat. And then at the very end, I can give like a one minute. If you're not ready to start with turmeric chicken, if this is too big of an undertaking, you can make turmeric honey tea. This is how you can do this at home. But I think that my mission has always been to normalize other foods from other cultures, right? And I think if we start with the ingredient and then make something that's very recognizable and then give parents one way to do it without having to make a whole dish, I feel like that can help change the the eating landscape for children across this country. So I've been thinking a lot about this. I have some people that I'm working with. I'm hoping that I will find the time to actually do this, but I would love to do a show in that vein. I love the idea. I personally love that idea. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. So I hope, I hope it, I hope you follow through on that one. My next question, and this is a question that I ask everybody towards the end of the podcast is why did you decide to do it? Why did, you're, you're busy, you're very, very busy. 
what what did what was the appeal of doing decoding seafood? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the other real answer? Yeah, um, yeah. My manager told me to. <laughs> <laughs> and why do we think the manager told you to? I mean, the funny thing is, like, I don't have time to really read through all of my emails. And so she just kind of vets everything and then says, this is a good idea to do. And I'm like, okay. And here I am. <laughs> well, hopefully it's been a good experience for you. <laughs> it's really fun to talk to you, Catherine. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's a good thing. I, You know, you kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I'm going to give you the opportunity. You know, what parting message would you like to share with the audience? I know, I know you kind of said... It was to just keep trying with your kids to to expose them to different stuff. But I'll give you the opportunity to either stick with that message or add on to it if you want to. Actually, I will add on to it because um, I've seen a lot of other. So I, f I follow a lot of these parenting gurus and I listen to a lot of their podcasts. And there are certain things that I think they recommend that I think is not a good idea when it comes to feeding your kids. So I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus and I'm. I'm definitely not going to name any names, but um, I heard one person say, like, put your kids in timeout if they don't try one bite of something or always make them try just one bite. And I think both of those are really damaging to long term relationships with food for children. Obviously, just my opinion. But what I've seen with my kids is not doing any of that has actually led to much better outcomes. My kids actually seek things out. My daughter is always asking to go to different parts of the world to try the food there. I mean, they're really interested in food because it's, we've always made it fun. I also think that, so that's the reason I started making the bento boxes was to make food fun, right? To make broccoli fun, you add some eyes. To make lettuce fun, you put it underneath something shaped like a heart. Um, and so if there's one other takeaway I want to give people, it's you know, your kid might not be eating it right now, but if you don't force it, they will eventually try it if they see you eating it and enjoying it. I think that's I think that's a really good message. Like I said, nobody wants nobody wants pressure and have it shoved down their throat with some sort of stigma. So I think I think your philosophy is good. Yeah. Um, in wrapping up, do you what if people wanted to get more information on you if they wanted to see your magical bento boxes that you do? Where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Michelle W. Park and on YouTube at Michelle W. Park 1 because somebody stole Michelle W. Park. So if, you're <laughs> if that person is listening, please sell it back to me. I will pay you. I would love to have my handle. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, well, I want to really thank you, Michelle, for taking the time to do it. I love your passion for it. I love, I love the messages and I love the fact that you incorporate it with with fun, interactive food. I think it's, you know, I think it's infectious. I really do. So thank you really sincerely for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it.